Most recent U.S. Bureau of Labor jobs report stated that there were 2.1 million jobs available in the United States and there's 9.8 million unemployed Americans. That means we have more people unemployed than we do have available jobs. Uh, that means we are at a jobs surplus. The hiring market right now is off the charts. It is on fire. And now is the time to step your game up, find a job that's going to work for you. Introducing Dwindle. Dwindle, as everybody knows, is our sponsor for this uh, Fighting Irish 2021 Notre Dame season. Uh, and Dwindle is the first job board aimed at helping to solve the student loan debt crisis. Job seekers can sign up for free, get a free resume critique, and then start applying to jobs that, provi that provide student loan repayment benefits. If you don't have student loans and you're just looking for an affordable education, Dwindle still has your back. Uh, they also help connect you with jobs that provide tuition assistance and tuition reimbursement. So check them out today at dwindlestudentdebt.com. That's dwindle, D-W-I-N-D-L-E, studentdebt.com. Let them know that the Four Horsemen sent you. Go out and find yourself a job that's going to help you take control of your life financially. And guys, you know, we put in a ton of time and effort into providing you guys with the best possible content. Uh, we are actively trying to grow our sphere of influence, and that requires a ton of extra time and effort outside of our normal nine to fives, whether it's uh, tweet chains of gifts like I was providing today, whether it's uh, P Wagon going in on his wagon Wednesdays whenever he has an opportunity to, or, or you know, just going into Notre Dame history, Dylan being the, the, the house statistician, it does take a lot of work so if you support our work if you believe that our content helps you become a more informed better fan if we are helping you enjoy this season game in game out then please consider uh becoming a contributor to us at uh, by visiting anchor.fm slash four dash horseman dash pod slash support now an easier way to do things just go to our twitter profile at horseman pod it's right in our linked tweet you can find it right at the top at pinned um and and you can make monthly contributions 99 cents four dollars 99 cents nine dollars 99 cents a dollar five dollars or ten dollars anything helps we would certainly appreciate uh thank you for all your support go irish How about them Irish? I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. <laughs> That is not what we were hoping for, but the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame escape Doak Campbell Stadium with a victory, 41-38, overtime for the Irish. It was a close one. It was a hard-fought victory, and most importantly, I think it was a bizarre game above all. So welcome to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm Dylan, joined with P-Wagon and Steve, and we're here to give you our scorching hot takes on the football game. Uh, P, you are the ranter of the group. I'm going to start with you. What was your thoughts on the game, and uh, how many things did you break? Uh, I won my toe. 
Um, <laughs> after Kyle Hamilton's second interception, I jumped up. I built a coffee table and my second to the big toe uh, went into it and it dislocated for uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, I've also may have fractured my relationship with my soon to be wife uh, after yelling after the third and 16 conversion. So the only things I've really broken were trust and a, uh, a body part. So that's where we're at today. Uh, overall, the game was the game. Uh, 18 point leads are never fun to blow, especially in the second half. Um, Jack Cohn's the real deal. We'll talk about the special teams. They are indeed special. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I am so mentally exhausted from that game. I went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs, back to the lowest of lows, back to the highest of highs. It was an emotional roller coaster for the entire game. And so, that's where I'm at. So um, I got a new apartment. I got some new roommates, right? And uh, they don't quite get college football, but they're interested because I'm so passionate about it. And uh, when we were, you know, losing in the second quarter, my buddy asked me, he's like, so do you think Notre Dame's going to come back? And I laughed. I'm like, of course, because Notre Dame always does this, right? We play a team close in the first half. And we blow them away in the second half. You know, you think of Virginia Tech a few years ago. I had no doubt we were going to win. And the third quarter comes along, and lo and behold, I'm proven completely right. We blow them out, score 21 points in the third quarter, and then I message everybody I know, this game's over. And boy, what a mistake that was, because in the fourth quarter, this team just seemed to lose their head. I thought the team played excellent, really, up until the fourth quarter. Um, Florida State had scored uh, three touchdowns. Two of them were just big plays, and we are going to give that up more this year. We knew that going into the season. The run for 85 yards was just three missed tackles and a hold. And then, of course, uh, they get us on a good route, um, and they beat Houston Griffiths long. Um, other than that, I thought the defense was great. I thought the offense was great when they were calling plays that favored Jack Cohn. And then it, it just kind of all went to hell, and uh, it happened really quick, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. So, Steve, I'm going to give you dealer's choice here. You can either defend slash crit criticize Marcus Freeman, or you can go after the ACC refs. What's your choice? Uh, I'm going to give the refs a pass. They, they, they certainly weren't fantastic by any means, but it's part of the game that you have to factor in. And, and frankly, the, the refs should not have been a factor in this game if we had taken care of business. Now, with that being said, I, I think it's entirely unfair that Marcus Freeman is getting ripped. He Should he be getting criticism, it's never a good look to be you know giving up 38 points against a abysmal offense, especially when you get three turnovers from Jordan, you know, forced three turnovers, three interceptions from Jordan Travis. He was 9 of 19 passing. Um, I mean, we, we only gave up 178 yards through the air. It's just... The rushing defense certainly could have been better. Uh, and we we were playing kind of bend, don't break a at a certain point. You know, I, I think he was playing the efficiency game, which is, you know, let let these guys try to run the ball. Let them get, you know, four or five yards at a time. Eventually, we are going to make a stop on, on defense against the run. Whereas the pass, if they can get behind our defenders, you know, those are 20, 25, 35 yard pickups. So I, I think that he was playing a little bit too conservatively in that regard. Well, uh, can I jump in there for a second? Certainly. So 
I don't want to equate that with being conservative with play calling. I know a lot of people said that. I get that he's playing with the lead, but I agree with you. It was the efficiency game. Marcus Freeman knows that when you're down 18, you're going to have to throw the ball on us, and we're not going to allow you to do that because we were going to drop a lot of people in coverage, and you'd have to beat us on the ground. Where I disagree with Marcus Freeman is after the first touchdown, they were just they were as efficient running the ball as we were throwing the ball because we just could not stop them. We I don't blame the three man front. I think they're we, we can play efficiently with the three man front. We were just we were tired and I don't think we were getting the support we needed. My issue with Freeman is that he didn't change it after the first touchdown. So once they score cut, gutting us like that, to me you gotta go back at least to a little bit more pressure because when you were playing you know, when you were bringing pressure and when you were having the four-man front with Foskey off the edge, they couldn't do anything on us. They kept they threw like two picks or three picks or whatever it was. So my issue is more that Freeman didn't make the adjustment. I get, but like, I'm I can't fault him for saying, "Well, you're down 18. I dare you to run and score 18 points mm-hmm. on us that way because that's you're just going to run out of time." It's just unfortunate for him. It a was nowhere near as well executed as it should be and then b the offense did absolutely nothing when they got the ball yeah but and, and you're exactly correct and, and p i'll let you go in in just a second i just kind of want to wrap up a thought here um yeah so i i think that marcus freeman was made to look bad by piss poor play calling in the f- late third and fourth quarters of that football game we were just way too conservative on offense and and he was just kind of just like exactly as you were just mentioning, just like, hey, you know what? If you want to run the clock and, and if you want to run the ball, go for it. You know, we're just going to protect. Uh, I, I do like that he did make the adjustment in overtime. You know, third down and four, Mackenzie Milton in the game. We send six guys and you know, we we get home. That was that kind of, you know, was it a fumble? Was it a whoever the hell? Basically, it, it ended the drive, missed kick from there. And that 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 effectively won us the game by bringing six blitzers. Um, so he that was phenomenal. You know, he he effectively won the game in overtime for us. Uh, you know, with with that blitz drop, it that just has to come earlier. You have to have a killer instinct. This team, as of yesterday, lacked a killer instinct. Offensive line wasn't getting the push late in the game when that's when they should be feasting. You know, the play calling was not advantageous to to the offensive line or the running game kai ren 18 for 42 averaging 2.3 with a long of seven are what planet are we on and and he was very efficient you know you know catching the ball he had six catches 83 yards and a touchdown so like we can still work kai ren i don't care about pure rushing yards i care about total yardage it's a new football it's a new it's a new style game right but they both sides of the ball, I don't think either coordinator was doing themselves very many favors. Um, but with that being said, we played about as bad as I think we could have and scored 38 points in regulation on offense. And Jack Cohn was fantastic. And then on defense, I mean, we were stifling in that first half. We only gave up 14 points in the first half. And then the second half, there's just some circumstantial things. So... That's that's where I wanted to leave off and pee anywhere you wanted to jump in. Yeah, so when that headlight asshole came in, uh, Milton, that's who I'm referencing, uh, Notre Dame did something different. Uh, they started playing double zone. So they knew he did, wasn't a threat to run, 
because, you know, he has a mechanical leg right now, like Inspector Gadget. But when they were playing that double zone, it's something that they either weren't fully ready to do. The coaches knew Jordan Travis was starting. That, that was evident by the game plan that they had for him. You can't replicate that speed that Jordan Travis has and that that running back has with what we have on our scout team. Brendan Clark isn't a world beater. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a world beater. He's not Jordan Travis. So you you can do as much as you can with the scout team. And this is coming from a coach right now. But once you get on the field and it's humid, it's a shitty grass field, you can't replicate all that in practice. You can replicate the chant, which they did fine with. I don't think there, there was one time Cone had to call a timeout uh, after a bid uh, turnover. Something happened there. So the whole replication thing, they probably weren't practicing for Milton too much. Let's be real. But what Freeman could have done better was instead of saying that base 3-3-5 you know, sits in the box there, he could have moved down to more of a traditional 3-4. Then you have 7, so you still have that overhand defender there. You still have that Viper position in theory. And then you're playing, you know, you still have your two corners and your two safeties, who Kyle Hamilton's the best safety in the country. Everyone else is definitely a uh, a safety there. But and a corner, and you even moved Hamilton to slot slot corner at one point. So there's a lot that he could have done that he didn't do. But we still have 11 games, so game one's not going to look like game 10. Yeah, I, I think the errors are fixable because we know how good the defense is. That is the strength of the team. And on top of that, I thought maybe the secondary was the best part of the defense, which is our biggest concern. I thought Cam Hart was really good. Um, Kyle Hamilton, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, great. To, I mean, maybe the most athletic play I've ever seen. Uh, the corners didn't get a lot of work. and I think that's because they were shutting down the receivers and, uh, you know, Milton found some success, but like Milton made some unreal throws to, uh, to get that. What I would say is we got the biggest possible positive out of this game. And as much as the game result is not what we want, the biggest takeaway is the absolute best thing we could have hoped for. And that is Jack Cohn is the real deal. Save your and, and the offense, we have issues with play calling after the lead, but that first drive was perfection because the issue was can Notre Dame move to that more dynamic explosive scoring offense the answer is yes. We've seen glimpses of it. We scored 38, and we didn't really play good offense for two quarters. So that's pretty a pretty good sign. But also, the fact that Jack Cohn methodically picked apart uh, the, the Florida State defense, and I mean, he got unlucky at some point. Michael Mayer dropped two balls. Uh, he had another guy, another guy dropped a ball, went off his hands. Um, offensive line could not hold him at certain points. I mean, once Fisher went down, uh, he got even more pressure on him. I think Cohn deserved better because he played phenomenally well. He made some big-time throws. I mean, that throw to Joe Wilkins, credit to that man, that was an absolute monster catch, monster touchdown. But also the dime he threw to Kevin Austin, he hit him over the shoulder. That's unbelievable. I mean, as much as we love Book on the show, and we thought Book was a legitimate top-10 Heisman candidate last year, Book didn't make those types of throws, right? He was a little more conservative going down the field, uh, but he was better with his legs. With Cone, we saw a guy who was... He's throwing that ball deep when he sees a shot, and I love it. I mean, that fourth and one touchdown on the first drive is crazy. So 
as many negatives as there are from this game, the fact that we got our answer on Jack Code on the offense is the bet. I would trade that for anything. If you told me we were going to dominate on offense and Cone would have a phenomenal game, I would take that and say, we're going places. So if we fix the D, this is a national contending team. If they fix the issues on defense, the offensive line's got to get a little better and the play calling's got to get better. But if I have that center foundation, that block of Jack Cone and an explosive offense, I will trade that for any kind of takeaway in this game. So you said something there, and you're, it sounds like you're very high on Jackie Heisman, uh, as I am. And I just want this to be more of a PSA to any of our listeners. Uh, there's a ton of you who are in our mentions right now who are saying we barely beat a unranked team, not acceptable, Jack Cohn underthrows the ball, blah, 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 blah. Our defense can't tackle. Fuck you. That is my statement. That, that is my blanket statement. I don't care if you stop listening to me. Unfollow me if you want. Still follow the podcast. Unfollow me. Your chicken littleness has to stop. We are fine. I don't want to do that R-E-L-A-X, relax thing, but we are fine. People miss tackles. Jack Cohn may have underthrown a ball or two. They won the game. He set a record for touchdown throws and he went over 300 yards he's 10th in the country in passing after one game and the majority of that list played two games already how's that he's ahead of bryce young you ever heard of him hmm. that's it yeah I, and i think to kind of wrap a bow on the conversation here i, I think one of the main points here and and a lot of this had to do with cone and he was outrageously good that interception should be stricken from the books it's such bullshit uh this team if this was 2017 2018 2000 yeah 2017 2018 or prior i think this team falls apart we lose that game i think we showed mental toughness on offense, on defense, the coaching staff, special teams was phenomenal all all game long. Um, so I just think that we, yeah, this sucked. We and Notre Dame's good for a stinker a year. Like let's not pretend this is unprecedented territory here. I mean, we we can name all of the games off the top of our heads of the games where they just weren't fantastic. It's the first game of the season. Plenty of other teams have uh, have struggled. Washington lost to like a division three football school. Okay. So like it's, you know, Texas A&M was up 14 to three at halftime against Kent state. Right. Like let's not pretend like, you know, teams don't struggle from time to time. It happens. And yes, it on the big stage would have been nice to, uh, you know, to win, to cover, to look really good. And, And we did. I mean, we had this game in the bag. We were up 18 late in the third, early in the fourth. It just, you know, it it just was, there was just some things that need to be ironed out. And if you don't think that Brian Kelly of, of the team, the roster he's built with the recruits that he's built with the coaching staff that he's built, if you don't think that this team is going to turn around and get better week in and week out, I don't know what to tell you. You are a chicken little, like the, the sky is not falling, man. It's just not falling. 
so yeah, was I thrilled about this game? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I posted that, uh, you know, that tweet of my whoop band where I burned 1200 calories and had uh, a peak heart rate of 172 just watching a football game. Right. And, and, and I was drinking quite heavily, which is a depressant, which should slow down your heart. Imagine if I didn't, right? Like I would have possibly reached 200, which, but it's like, come on, we, the, the, the season is not over, especially that we are one and oh, it's just insane to me that people are complaining and calling for the job of, of Marcus Freeman there. It, it's short sighted. And I, you just got to have a little bit more faith because I think Brian Kelly has earned our faith. Well, look, we complain about this every year with Notre Dame fans. And like I had said, a win is a win, right? I would much rather win that game in overtime than lose that game in overtime because we still have playoff aspirations, right? And 12 games from now, nobody's going to remember this. I will say some things about Florida State. A, congratulations on the effort and performance to be down 18 and to make that comeback. Says a lot to your guys' program and to your character. Two, very happy for Mackenzie Milton. Um, I've always been a fan. I'm glad he's back. He played phenomenally well. Three, you guys are so goddamn boring with the tomahawk chop. You do not need to do that all game. Do you have anything else? Do you have any other song? Like, Notre Dame plays like 15 different original material per game. You guys have that one damn thing, and it's not even that cool after about the second quarter. Atmosphere was great, though. Three, and our friend, uh, our guest last week, Jason, had tweeted that uh, per the postgame expectancy, Florida State had a 55% win percentage, meaning they had somewhat outplayed Notre Dame. I will counter that and say you also got handed at least three brutal calls from the referee there that definitely contributed towards the postgame expectancy. So, you know, we had to deal with ACC refs once again, but still great performance. And last... If Florida State goes on a run, this win starts to look really, really good. Because this looks like an eight to nine win football team. And and I'm going to go through the schedule very quickly. This is what the Knowles have. Okay, they play Jacksonville State this week. That's a win. They play at Wake Forest. That should be a win. They play at home to Louisville. I think the home field advantage will help them win there. They play at home to Syracuse. That shouldn't even be allowed to be a game. Hmm. They play at North Carolina. That will be a very good one. I think that could go they, either way. They beat them last year. They beat them last year. They play at home to UMass. That's another win. So we got what? We got five to six wins right now for this Florida State team. Then they play at Clemson. That should be a loss. But, I mean, who knows? Clemson didn't win that great. They're five and three right now. You have them at five and three. Then they play NC State at home. I think that's a win if it's in Florida State. You don't? You disagree? I think it's I I like the pack a lot. Okay, then they play at home to Miami. I think advantage home field, perhaps, but that's another toss-up game. Then they're at Boston College and then at Florida. So it's not the easiest schedule in the world. It ends pretty hard. But I think this is easily a bowl team. I think I can get them to seven wins. Um, And if they actually are good, like let's say Mackenzie Milton plays like he did against us for the rest of the season, they're winning a lot of those swing games. Like this could theoretically be a nine to ten win team. I'm not saying they are. They could easily go five and seven. But if they play like that, that game could look a lot better for Notre Dame. If they start if they finish the season anywhere near the top twenty five, that looks like a good win. Um, but look, I don't want to be too optimistic. I'm just I want to give Florida State their credit. They looked good. Uh, we all underestimated them, and uh, it's just good to be back, right? To see all those fans at Doak, um, and of course the Bowden tribute was nice as well. 
I could have done without ABC mentioning him every, every 10 seconds, three, every three seconds. I'd said some things to my grandpa about that, but I won't repeat them on air. Uh, and then also I, we get it. Mackenzie Milton hurt his knee. Joe Tessator. He was playing that up a lot. I love Tess, but oh, he was playing that oh, up a yeah. lot, man. Freaking moly. I liked it, how pro Notre Dame he was, but then it got a little much with the Milton thing. Oh, he was acting like he was. What, what's that movie? Um, not Rudy. We he are relating him. That's what he was doing. He was, yeah, it was. It yeah, was like it, on air fellatio. It, it was just sickening, and it was at one point where I texted my friends. I'm like, I'm I'm either going to go deaf or I'm going to mute this whole thing. <laughs> it was one of the, It was a yeah. It was just over the top. I mean, they did it too long. I think. For obviously, it's a big deal, and they should have yeah. made a big deal about it. But they just, for most of the fourth quarter, they just kept talking about it. And it's right. like, listen, we got a really the, good game here. The thing that, exactly, the thing that frustrates me, they're coming back from 18 to the number nine team in the country, who was a playoff team last year, and they're just talking about Milton. What about the running back who is running all over the defense right. or the offensive line pieced together? Dylan, the thing when Dylan Gibbons was great, but they're pieced together. There's first game, three redshirt sophomores or freshmen are on the team. Talk about yeah. them. They also made it seem like Gibbons was a career starter at Notre Dame. And yeah, they said what, like 26 and, games at Notre Dame. It's like, yeah, like, listen, he, played, well, he ran out of the tunnel for 26 games. <laughs> yeah, I like Gibbons, and I, I I thought that was really sweet what he had done for that uh, that young man. So nice. um, that that's all good stuff. And and look, I gained a little more respect for Florida State after this game. I imagine all of, all of you did as well. It's a good series, man. Notre Dame and Florida State always play good games. P wagon doesn't respect anybody, but that's fine. No, um, I, I want to. You know why? Check my Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I want to get in. I want to get into injuries before we move to our four horsemen uh, of the week. So, P, you're the guy who's connected there. Do you want to give the rundown of of what's happened? Uh, in regards to the injuries. Horsemen? Oh, injuries. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we had four four cats go down. Uh, it looks like two Blake Fisher is in for an MRI today on his knee. We don't think it's going to be uh, anything serious. It looks like it's just going to be a strain there, according to what I'm hearing right now. Uh, Paul Malaya did tear his other Achilles tendon. Uh, so he is out for the season, which That's hurts. Awful. That's awful. Uh, that happened to him last year, like a season-ending yeah. injury. Yeah. So that those are two other Achilles now, so that's rough there. Uh, it looks like Prince Kali is going to move inside to uh, to play linebacker as per Brian Kelly today. He's uh, an absolute boss, by the way. But And really, Kevin Bauman, he suffered a non-weight-bearing leg fracture. fracture. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but that means he could be back by the end of the season. Uh, he's a tight end there. Uh, then from there, we also had Shane Simon. We're not sure what happened to his shoulder. He's going in on an MRI today. Shout out to the MRI tech coming in on Labor Day to do this. Uh, probably in quite a bit of change from Notre Dame. And yeah, those are the injury so, updates. So not the worst thing in the world. I mean, obviously, we feel for um, uh, Maula. Did I do that right? I think so. Paul Mawala. Okay. Mawala. Uh, we feel bad for him, of course, our sympathies out there but other than that it's a very manageable injury list um blake fisher i think had a pretty good game from what i saw i mean obviously watching live it's hard to tell you got to kind of go back and, and dissect the film um but i thought he did well uh, there was a noticeable difference when he left the game so that's that's a good sign as well um 
That's great stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot of good takeaways and a lot of bad takeaways. And like I said, the fact that Cone did what Cone did is the biggest takeaway of them all. Um, yeah. So let's get into RFP if you want to jump there. Just quickly, there were three players on the travel roster who did not play. Logan Dids and Sebo uh, Flemister. Uh, we're not going to speculate on why they didn't play. I'll let the rest of the internet do that. Uh, and then we also had Jordan Buffello. Uh, I think that might be an injury. Uh, but there also are some reports out there that I won't speculate on because I disagree with them. Yeah, I, I hope we see Jordan Bethello pretty soon because that kid can play. I thought Riley Mills is another guy who played really well. Um, so let's go to four horsemen. Steve, I'll start with you. Who are your four picks for the week? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to go in any particular order because uh, all all four of the guys were un- unbelievable. And I think there's going to be a lot of overlap because it's pretty obvious. Uh, we're going to start with Jack Cohn. You know, 26 out of 35, 366 yards, a Notre Dame season opener record, four touchdowns, Notre Dame season opener record, average of 10.5 yards per completion. So that means his yards per attempt was probably higher than that, uh, right? Would it be higher or lower? Uh, it depends. I mean, I, we'd have to look it up, but he, yeah. it was impressive anyway. His yards per yeah, attempt. Yeah, and, and you know, he was pushing the ball down the field, which is something that we've wanted to. And and Ian would do so from time to time, much more so in 2019 when he had Chase Claypool. Uh, after losing Claypool, you know, he he kind of reeled it back in a little bit more. So it's, it's good to see them stretch the field. And I think that's obviously, um, you know, Cone is being assisted by, some fantastic wide receivers that are really stepping their game up, which is going to lead us right into our next horseman, Kevin Austin. And, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously some other pass catchers that are probably going to get their love in the course of this segment, but Kevin Austin, man, I believe that was his first career touchdown that he had that 37 yarder. That was an absolute dime by Jack Cohn. That thing could not have been thrown more perfectly. Austin held on to it. He had another catch where he kind of bobbled it, but but he ended up making like a really big sideline catch. And that was at a really important part of the game. I think that was on third down. So he had four catches for 91 yards and a touchdown, averaging 22.8 yards per, you know, per reception, which is fantastic. So Kevin, he also juked a guy completely out of his shoes. Um like he he just like he put the air brakes on and the guy just kept going. I think the guy is still running. Yeah. That that poor defensive that's, back. That's what you want to see from your boundary receiver stretching the field like that. Oh, um, yeah. And he was he was phenomenal. Oh yeah. So Kevin Austin, I absolutely fucking love you, man. Uh, and then you know just turning to the defensive side of the ball, my two guys, my two dudes. Um, you know, obviously you got to go with Kyle Hamilton. He was phenomenal. Those two interceptions, you know, he's so rangy, man. He was also part of the pass breakup that led to Clarence Lewis's interception as well. So he, you know, anytime there's a turnover, it just feels like Kyle Hamilton is is the cause or, or kind of, you know, in the mix. So there's not enough you could say about him. Top five overall pick, arguably number one in my opinion, but that's for the NFL cucks to figure out. Uh, and then lastly, Isaiah Foskey, he's a man. He's just a man among children. I mean, two sacks, a couple of tackles for loss. He was just, uh, he was a menace, menace on the defensive line. And he's the leader that we need on the defensive line. And, and Myron played well as, uh, you know, as well. And, and he's going to be a leader, but Isaiah is one of those generational defensive end talents that we haven't had. Uh, well, we, we've had some guys recently, but he, he just feels so special, man. Like I, I think, Isaiah, he's going to finish this year. Maybe he comes back next year, plays one more season, and and I think he's going to be a top fifteen pick. Like he's he's trending. So those are my four. How about you guys? 
P, I'll, I'll let you jump in there. Um, you you always have a unique special teams flavor to it, so. Oh, well, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> my three of the four are Michael Vinson, lawn snapper, Jay Bramblett, punter, Jonathan Doerr, kicker. Let's get into the numbers. Jay Bramblett, best punter in the nation. Arguably should have fought that uh, defensive end of midfield after the not no call there. Uh, he put... Sits punts up in the air, averaged 39.3 yards. Three landed inside the 20. There was a lack of return on the majority of his punts. 50% going inside the 20 set Notre Dame's defense up very well. It's not how he punted, it's how high he punted. Uh, and his hold for the final kick of the game was immaculate. Uh, Jonathan Doerr, 11 points, including the game winner. First ever walk-off kick for him. Uh, so game-winning field goals will always be a horseman for me. And Michael Vinson came back off that uh, personal foul uh, to continue to snap. So long live milk. Uh, so those are my three there. Uh, and then number four, really, you know, I could go Jack Cohn. That, that would be an obvious one there. Could go Ky- Kyron Williams. Uh, even though he didn't do well, he did well enough for what he had to do. Uh, but really, Blake Fisher for the half that he played. Uh, he's a freshman. He's 19, maybe 18. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't release his actual birthday. So I don't know how old he is actually, but he's sub 20 and he's playing like a man. And he's just so violent in his pass protection that I loved every second of it. So uh, there are my four. Perfect. I'll comment on those. Um, Kyron, you made a really good point there. Um, his numbers don't look fantastic, but he was great in big spots, right? He fought for that touchdown. Uh, he was on the screenplay. He had tough yards, but he played way better than the numbers show, in my opinion. Um, even though the running the ball was extremely inefficient, I thought he had a good game. Um, and he did help out in pass protection when the offensive line struggled. Bramblett can be even better, and I think that's what's so impressive with him. You know, you went through it, P, punted it high, they didn't return it, but... He could have done better in those situations, which that's not a negative. I'm just saying he's got so much more potential as a punter that that's really something we can look forward to. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Doerr I thought was fantastic as well. He deserves a shout out. He was the reports pregame was that he was crushing it from 55. Um, and the reports kind of all spring is that he's been a lot cooler, a lot calmer. And uh, I thought he was exactly what we needed when we needed it. Um, also, yeah. people don't realize this. Um, had Florida State not missed their extra point, they would have won the game. I, I, I remember that late last night. Was we're, We were in our position because they missed an extra point. So but just wanted to get that out there. They did conversion. They did. You know, so that it did balance itself. Yeah. P? Yeah, no. Once we went into overtime and they missed that kick after Norvell's incompetency, uh, really felt good about us winning because of those reports that he was hitting from 58. Uh, in yeah. the humidity, so that uh, that was a win. I, it's still, I knew it's it was still tough, happen. right? Though you're you're on the road, games on your shoulders, and he got iced. So credit there. Uh, my four are the same as Steve, actually. So that should be no surprise. We kind of think the same at this point. Um, I will add though with Cone. So uh, to our new listeners, uh, we use a QBR, which is ESPN's um, statistic for quarterbacks. It's scaled out of a hundred. It's not to be confused with passer rating. That is different. Um, and he had a 76.9 total, which means adjusted QBR, um, on Twitter. I'd said that's really low 
compared to what he was getting in EPA. So QBR is based on expected points added, but it has its own unique formula. So when I dug a little deeper, he was actually the second best passer in the country uh, this week um, at 10.8 expected points added. Um, Where he lost was, of course, with the running and with the sacks. So that kind of deflated his QBR. But then I look at uh, our friend Jason, who was on the show last week. I look at his game recap. And for expected points added per pass, Notre Dame, which thus means Jack Cohn, was averaging 0.45 EPA per pass. And like Steve said there, uh, just to give you an idea, anywhere between four and six is kind of like Tua, Mac Jones, Joe Burrow. Burrow. So he was in that Heisman level expected points added per play. Uh, Where he got dinged, of course, was on the sacks. Um, The interception shouldn't have counted too much anyway. So... Basically, the QBR is fairly low because low 80s is where he, Andy, and Booker usually are. But the expected points added per play, which is a little more focused and it's a little more transparent in the data, very, very high. So great performance for Cone. I just wanted to add that context uh, for our listeners that we do a little bit of analytics there. Um, and that and that's pretty much it. I agree with, with Steve on everything. Austin, Foskey, Hamilton, those are my guys as well. So... We do have yeah. to give an honorary mention to, to Michael Mayer, nine for 120 and a touchdown. Did have his two drops, but hey, you know, yeah. it's going to happen. Every player is not going to play a perfect season. But uh, so but he was phenomenal, but I was I was just, you know, I love Kevin Austin. I'm happy to see him. He's had injuries. He's had, you know, a bunch of stuff going on. So as a senior to get onto the field and start doing his thing, happy for Kevin Austin. I have a real quick point, and I, I would hope the national media picks this up. Uh, Jack Cohn had a letter released. It was a Christmas letter to his father, Mike. Uh, shout out Mike Cohn, Cohn's landscaping, uh, saved on New York. And in the letter, he's never been to a Notre Dame game. In the letter, his first game, he said it would be sick to go to a Notre Dame game and see Jimmy Clausen throw for 300 yards uh, with 150 to Floyd and 150 to Tate. Completely out of bounds, wouldn't be able to happen. But regardless of that, Jack Cohn threw for over 300 yards in his first ever Notre Dame game. That letter predicted what he was going to do that night, which is just wild to think about. And just to go off of that, he surpassed Jimmy Clausen for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, He's the first Notre Dame quarterback to do it since Jimmy Clausen. This was his first game doing it. It was Jimmy's 23rd against Nevada uh, when he did that. So just a little narrative there. I think it's wild that something that he wrote 11 years ago kind of came true. Just plug and play Jimmy Clausen for Jack Cohn. Hmm. Same guy. So, you know, I think we should kind of kill it before we get any more heated with the Florida State. Uh, Let's move into just kind of week one general college football recap. Um, Some interesting games I want to hit on. Uh, Of course, we'll go back to our predictions from last week. I went 0-5. I had to spot you guys a big lead, so I actually missed on all five of my picks. Uh, Steve crushed it. He went 4-1, and and then Pete, you went 2-3. and Uh, So we'll get into our picks later for the upcoming week, but that's how the week went uh, games. I want to hit on UCLA LSU. I really want to bet on UCLA and I didn't, I just had a good feeling about them. I put them in my top 25 last week when we did our preseason 25, I knew UCLA had a little bit of something special going on. So I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. 
Um, Penn State beats Wisconsin. That is a huge hurt for Notre Dame's schedule. We thought Wisconsin was going to be a 11 and one Big Ten, you know, contender for the championship. Uh, that was a surprise, and that was the most horrific game I've ever watched. So please do not watch Big Ten football. Uh, North Carolina gets upset to the Hokies in their first home upset in forever. Um, that's also a surprise. Um, that hurts the schedule, but not as bad because we do have Virginia Tech. I'm still not worried about Virginia Tech, but we will go on from there. Ohio State kind of played a close game with Minnesota. I didn't watch it. Uh, I don't know if either of you did, but that's something to keep an eye on, too, because Ohio State is moving towards a new quarterback and a new system there, uh, at least defensively. Uh, Oklahoma and Tulane, what happened there? We all thought Oklahoma was a lock for the playoff, and they barely beat Tulane. Uh, something to keep an eye on, but that it's a common theme this week because Oregon struggled at home to Fresno State. Um, USC, though, crushed San Jose State, so that's something to keep an eye on long-term is if the Trojans can actually put together a string of wins. Bama absolutely annihilated Miami like we all thought they would. And then you got Georgia-Clemson. What a game that was, and by what a game, I mean what a snooze fest. Uh, Georgia's D looks electric, and they look like the real deal. Um so, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on any of those games or how week one turned out? Everyone sucked except for Alabama and Notre Dame. Yeah. And Assumption College. Um, Georgia's offense was abysmal, uh, but their defense, holy shit, man. Like, I, I don't know what to, to make of them. I, I think they're a 10-win football team, but can they make it out of the SEC? I, I doubt it. Um, worth noting, in that Clemson game, just how pathetic the rest of the team is other than than that one wide receiver, Joe Nagata. So Joe Nagata for Clemson had six receptions for 110 yards. DJ Ugungalole had he was 19 of 37 for 178 yards and an interception. That means if you his other 13 passes were uh, or his other 13 completions totaled 68 yards. If so, I mean, DJ, I like, I don't know that Clemson team, you know, they ran into a buzzsaw in Georgia's defense. I don't know if Clemson gets out of the ACC. I, I, it's, and if it's they do, now, can they even get into the playoff? Cause it's I, such I, a weak schedule from that, there. Even if they do get out of the ACC, I, I think you're correct. I like, I don't see Depends. an argument for them to be in the playoff. It they, depends what happens with everyone else, right? Would you yeah. take a would you take a twelve and one Clemson ACC champion over an eleven one Notre Dame? No, I, I we it wouldn't. Just but what would Notre the committee loss, do? Right? It, it but depends, I think right? I think Clemson's now a bubble team. Like they they cannot be considered a front runner. They are on the outside looking in as of now. Yeah. Well, unless P you have something to say, I kind of want to move on to our next segment here. So That's what we've got just one, just one thing for everyone at home. Jay Bram for Heisman is what he's holding up to the screen. Yeah, Bramlett for Heisman, uh, Kyle Hamilton for Heisman, and then last night we were the first to start the Jack Cohn for Heisman train. This guy is legit. Let's move on to our next section because we've got another sponsor, as we've released on Twitter. Uh, we're partnering up with DraftKings. So before we get into our pick selection using DraftKings odds, I'm going to pass the mic over to P-Wagon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, fire up your tailgate. The NFL is back. 
Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Now, listen here, guys, because you don't want to miss this. You'll head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game and receive $200 instantly in free bets. If the Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all their new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Steve and I could use it with the whole marriage thing happening. Yeah, Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a million dollars. So what I need you all to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code HORSEMAN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code HORSEMAN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Beautiful. Well, I definitely appreciate all the disclaimers there, P. We are a responsible advertiser, um, and we look forward to you guys checking out DraftKings. So I'm going to pass it over to Steve now. You're going to read us the five games for us to pick and the money line odds using DraftKings, and uh, we'll pick it. I mean, I'm 0-5, so i got to make up some ground here. See, wee wee. That's two different languages for yes. Uh, okay, we're going to start with Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa State did not look good last week. Iowa looked incredible last week. So let's see how this one ends up. Now, Iowa State is at home. They are favored by four and a half on the DraftKings Sportsbook. And uh, the money line, Iowa State minus 195. All right, I'll go first. Um, I like Iowa. Iowa looked way better. They crushed an Indiana team that I didn't think they would. And Iowa State looked bad. I know it's on the road. But you know what? I think the Big Ten football could actually work here and uh, just kind of own the trenches. Iowa's a solid team. I'm taking them to win outright, and I love, love the line, uh, the, the spread there. So Iowa for me. I.O. W.A. Iowa by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm where we're we're all all rolling with the away dogs, Iowa Hawkeyes, right? Are they Hawkeyes? Hawkeyes, Hawkeyes. Yep. Look at that, my brain works. Um, yeah, so I, I I think, and plus with the value on that, I mean, come on, uh, you're coming off of, of one team that played great, one that played terrible, and the one that played great is the underdog. So I think that Iowa State's way overrated. Doesn't matter. Everyone bet responsibly, but you should tank Iowa. Uh, we're gonna go on to the next game. And that's going to be Oregon at Ohio State, and Ohio. That, that, is that a neutral site game? Are we it, are we confident on that one? I'm going to pull that up because um, that could be important for how we pick our gambling. Um, I think though that it isn't because I feel like they play again next year. Yes, so this is at Ohio Stadium. This will be in Columbus, okay. uh, Oregon, Ohio State, Week Two. 
and um, Oregon are the 14-point underdog. So Ohio State favored by uh, by 14 on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and the money line OSU is minus 590. So I I think that you know not too much value with uh, Ohio State because they're pretty favored here. But Dylan, your thoughts? So in terms of our game where we pick the team outright, I'm going Ohio State. Um, I just think they're a little too good for Oregon, and being at home will help them. In terms of maybe how I would bet it, which we don't keep track of, I think I like Oregon plus 14. I didn't think Ohio State convincingly beat Minnesota, and Oregon should be a better team than Minnesota. So I think I like the Ducks there to cover, but I am taking Ohio State to win the game. Uh, I hate that this game's at noon. Uh, I don't like the schedule. I, Welcome to the Big Ten. But, like, no, the whole thing, Fox, I get it. They want them at noon. They get Notre Dame at noon, all this stuff. This is a primetime game. Put it at 7. Put it on ABC. I, it's The Big Ten's a poverty conference. Uh, but for my pick, I do like Ohio State to win. I'm staying away from the spread because I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, we'll, we'll go Ohio State money line. Okay. Uh, yep, you're not going to get much value there, but I think you're exactly correct. The spread is tough. Uh, but I am also going with Ohio State to win this football game. Um, but and and I I think it should be convincingly, especially you got Oregon coming from the West Coast playing a 12 p.m. Central, right? Is is Columbus Ohio Central? I think they are. Um, yeah, I thought I, they that, were Eastern, but what do they, I know? It they could possibly be Eastern, whatever. But all all I know is that basically uh, Oregon is time traveling. Kayvon Thibodeau, I believe, is injured. He might not be playing in this game. Yeah, there's there's some question marks there. I don't think mm-hmm. we quite know to what extent he, he's hurt. At the very least, he's banged up. So if he does play, he's probably not going to be 100. percent So I think it's it's okay to hammer uh, Ohio State here. That's the spread is a little bit tasty. I'm not sure if you want to take that. That's up to you when you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, and then just on to the next game that we have here, we have Washington versus Michigan. I can't think of two teams that are just more pathetic at the moment. Uh, Michigan at home are favored by six points, and the money line, uh, Michigan is minus 250. Dylan. So Michigan just lost their top receiver due to injury, but Michigan is coming off an impressive performance. Washington is not. Washington lost to an FCS team. That needs to be talked about more. I'm going to take the Wolverines at home here. Uh, I'll take them outright, but I probably like them uh, on that spread as well. Um, But so, yeah, I'm going to go Michigan. I don't like it. I'm not going to say it. I, I don't like it. I knew that was coming. Okay, so we are not taking anyone to win, but I think you're going to probably take Washington to lose if I could put words in your mouth for you. That is correct. Okay, it's because I, I know how much it would pain you to say otherwise. It's pretty much impossible. Uh, and, and I am, am going to go with that absolutely abysmal, a pathetic, problematic program. I was going to use uh, a different word, but we're just going to stay with problematic program up north with their terrible so, history. We have all three picked the same teams so far. This is interesting. Um, I, but I think these are clear. That means we're going to be wrong on all three. I hope the audience knows <laughs> that. Take that with a grain of salt. If we're all picking Michigan to win, Michigan will lose. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I do have them to cover too. And, and watch, you know, Washington will probably win by like 20. But uh, that that's what we have as of now. Uh, just on to the, the 
third, no, fourth game uh, in the lineup here in the DraftKings uh, segment. It is Utah at BYU. I, I like how we've skipped chronological order here because the actual, the earliest game is yet to be said, but we'll get to it later. That's on me. I just was putting random things in, in my uh, Microsoft notepad thing. <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah, we have Utah at BYU. BYU is home dogs. They are plus seven. Uh, the money line is on Utah minus 290 as the favorite. Well, I hope I am the only person here, but I am taking the home underdog. I'm going BYU, and this is why. A, they're at home. B, this is a rivalry game, and those are always, always tight games, usually. Um, and then three, I think BYU is, look, they lost their quarterback, but I still think they're a good team. And I think Utah might be a little overrated. So just those factors for me and the home dog, I'm taking them money line, I'm taking them to cover, and I'm taking them outright. Go Cougars. BYU barely beat Arizona, a team that hasn't won a game in over 700 days. Uh, Utah by three touchdowns. Okay, both bold predictions. Uh, I think I'm going to take Utah in our you know picks, uh, but I I do like BYU plus seven. If if I were going to th- sprinkle some money on there, responsibly, responsibly, of course. And then now on to the next game, which I think is the first of the of the, the it, day. Yeah, it's a it's a noon kickoff. Yep, noon kickoff. We have Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee also home. Oops, sorry. Uh, Tennessee is also home dogs. They are plus three. Money line is on Pitt minus one fifty five. Dylan. Um. I know I just took a home underdog, but I'm not going to do it here. I refuse to believe Tennessee is an actual program until they start winning again. Um, I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers. They're always Pitt Panthers. You know what they're good for. Um, I just don't trust Tennessee at the moment. So Pitt it is for me. So uh, I'm also on Pitt. Uh, uh, They also have a quarterback uh, that shares a name with me, which is a fun fact and always confuses people when I talk to them in person. Uh, so I will go with Pitt. Uh, Tennessee is Tennessee. And the person that shares my name, uh, he had a 197.4 QBR in their last game against UMass. Oh, Passer for- rating. Passer rating. We, I, gotta, we so, have to be clear on statistics. quarterback <laughs> rating scaled to 100. I had a 197.4 passer rating, 5 for 5, 58 yards. No big deal. The important is just a lot of people do that. And the reason it hurts is because QBR is our best quarterback statistic and passer rating is our worst quarterback statistic. So it's just we got to be clear on it because a lot of people will use QBR lazily and it hurts the stats community because you're kind of undervaluing the actual legitimacy of QBR. Anyway, go Panthers. Are you you down off your soapbox now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I am fading the shit out of you two guys. Uh, I'm rolling with Tennessee. Rocky top, baby. Feels like 98. Um, I just, I, I want them to be good, so I'm going to will it into existence. I'd pick, I, I'm going to take them to cover. I'm going to take them straight up. Tennessee, let's ride Vols. Uh, and then we're obviously going to just get right into uh, Notre Dame and Toledo just to get those numbers out, out there. Uh, Notre Dame is only favored at home by 16 and a half points to the Toledo Rockets. Uh, at, but with that being said, they are money line minus 900. So like everybody in the entire world uh, does expect 
Notre Dame to win this game. Um, so in terms, obviously we're all going to pick Notre Dame to win. We can obviously get that out of the way. Uh, but in terms of any sort of, uh, any value there gambling, do I, would either of you sprinkle any money on Toledo or are you just going to go with the, uh, the home favored Notre Dame fighting Irish? So with ND Toledo rushed for 205 yards in their first game, which was a win over Norfolk state. Uh, they're obviously not the Irish. Yeah. Uh, people forget the Vikings are there. Uh, so if Notre Dame can't get their defense, they're currently ranked 214th in the nation in rushing defense. Uh, if they can't get that going, I could see, uh, Toledo covering, but I think Notre Dame, uh, it looks like the, the total isn't out yet, but whatever the over under is hammer the over at that point, uh, I think it's going to be either a be a blowout where we're going to see both drew pine and TB 12 get in, or, uh, it's going to be a game where it's, it's a shootout. And if it's a shootout, I'm going to have to be uh, committed. So that those are my two options there. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be a different week for Marcus Freeman defense. Uh, so go Irish. Uh, I would say Irish 40, 49. Uh, well, we don't have to do predictions yet. Just wanted to see if, yeah. if you thought that they would cover. Hold the horses there, P. We still got a whole preview to do. Oh, I'm um, excited. Well, so I know nothing about Toledo. Does anybody know anything about Toledo? They're in Ohio, and their most famous coach was a cartoon character. Those were literally the two things I was going to say. So usually we kind of do a little bit of preview, like we'll look at like efficiency stats or whatever, but where there's only been one game played, the sample size is not even worth doing. Um, Toledo, I think, is the weakest team on our schedule, probably. But they're um, also the best Mac team to play against Notre Dame since Brian Kelly's been there. Yeah, but you're the only person in the world who values the Mac. Um, I don't. I think... <laughs> I think Notre Dame should be able to put them away. Um, if they don't, I'd be a little concerned because one of the issues with Notre Dame is to get to that next level, they need to consistently blow out teams the same way Clemson does and Alabama does. They cannot be playing close games. And with Florida State being close, to me, you've kind of wasted your one freebie on a close game. I need to see Notre Dame dominate the rest of the season, uh, at least with these opponents. When you play like Wisconsin, if you win by 10 points, I'll be happy. Um, but with these teams, that they need to be a blowout. So I'm feeling pretty good about Notre Dame's offense. We'll see with the defense. Steve, do you have kind of any any thoughts for this game, just with what limited information we have on Toledo? Uh, now, are we doing a preview, or are I just giving a pick right now? Eh, whatever. We can we can kind of well, mix it just up to here. give a just to give a pick, and then I'll turn the, the hosting back over to you, my dear friend. Um, just looking at a minus sixty and a half favored Notre Dame Fighting Irish. To put this as succinctly as possible, good teams win, great teams cover. Do with that information what you will. And Dylan, I'll, I'll pass the reins back over to you here, buddy. All right, so my pick for this game, uh, Steve, do you have a number in your head? Because we got to see if we'll come up with something similar. Um, okay, and, and to let me just give a little bit more info, because I, I that, that was strictly just gambling. Now, in terms of actual game analysis... I think, obviously, Marcus Freeman is coming out with a chip on his shoulder. I think Tommy Reese uh, wants to put on a home show. I think this is going to be an absolute blowout. I, I, I think this is going to get ugly. It's uh, if, if I were to guess, I think 55-13 Irish. 
Did I do it again? You, you did it again. You <laughs> did it again. I have written down on a piece of paper 52-13 Notre Dame. I can't believe this keeps happening. This is ridiculous. I agree with you, Steve. Is, I, think I swear it's... to God, this is authentic. I have no idea what his his predictions are. I think if Notre Dame doesn't want to punt the ball, they won't. Like if we seriously just want to score on every drive, I think we will. I think we will actually see Drew Pine play, and I think we might see TB12 play. Where I'm concerned is I actually think we're going to get scored on, and I think there will be another big play touchdown, and I think maybe Toledo will move the ball more than we want them to, but there will be improvements from Marcus Freeman's team. I think the play calling will be better, and I think the tackling will be better, but I don't think the issue will be completely fixed. So I am expecting... A mostly positive game with a few minor setbacks or or criticisms, but this should be a blowout, and and I anticipate it being so. I'm really excited to see Tyler Buckner play because that's the quarterback of the future. So let's hope it's this week, and let's hope we see uh, Braden Lindsay take off this week as well. Uh, I found the over under at another site right now is at 52, so my prediction was spot on, 49-3 Irish. There we go. So all around, we expect a blowout. Um, what do you guys think at home? Let us know. Tweet us at HorsemanPod, your predictions. Um, also, give us a five-star review and a nice rating or a nice or give us a five-star rating and a nice review. Uh, we definitely appreciate that on Apple uh, Podcasts. Uh, P, you have something you want to say? Yeah, just real quick. Notre Dame is not playing on NBC this week. They are playing on Peacock. That is Peacock, P-E-A-C-O-C-K. It's an app. Download the app if you're in Canada. I don't know what you do up there. Uh, right now, they are running a promotion where you can get three months for $2.50 a month. That's $9 Canadian. And you use the code Notre Dame, N-O-T-R-E-D-A-M-E. This is a free ad. Notre Dame, Peacock. It's only going to be on that channel this weekend. So if you are outside the United States, I don't know what we're going to do. My best hope is there are certain places where certain links to certain streams exist. Mm. If you find one of them, that should be great. The issue is, will anyone be doing that off Peacock? Because usually it's you can do that when it's easily accessible on TV. But somebody's going to have to have access to Peacock to do that. We'll keep our fingers crossed. I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get the game. But just keep an eye on that. The NBC might do something for... Canadian fans um, or even European fans, because we do have a bunch of them as well. Um, so, yeah, just keep an eye on that, everybody. Uh, broadcasting alert. And uh, I think that's it from from us. Uh, Steve, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Um, don't overreact. It's okay. We can breathe now. Uh, the blood pressure is coming down. Everything is going to be fine. It's so just... Just enjoy the blowout this week of uh, this abysmal Mac team. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just we're just going to take everything one step at a time. So uh, don't don't be a chicken little. Don't be moaning and groaning. I don't I don't want to see any run the damn ball. I want to I want to see people talking about being efficient. I want to see blowouts and I want to see positivity. We can't We're I'm not doing any more negativity. We're not doing it anymore. Not in the Lord's year 2021, because that is the year that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to win a national title. So let's act like it as fans. Go Irish, beat Rockets. That's perfectly said from all of us at the Four Horsemen. Have a good one. Go Irish.